Psalm 94, verse 20. Psalm 94, verse 20. Shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee, which frameth mischief by a law? Here we are being plainly taught that it is possible for whole nations either to be in fellowship with God or out of fellowship with God. This is a concept totally lost upon the present generation. And let us in particular consider the expression framing mischief by a law. There is no clearer example of what is meant by that phrase than, for example, in this country, the 1967 Abortion Act, or the more recent redefinition by Parliament of the Creation Ordinance of Marriage. Josiah was a king of Judah who came to realise that his nation had indeed been framing mischief by a law. He knew that Judah's leaders had been ignoring God's law, so much so that they had even lost the official temple copy of the scriptures. In God's providence, however, the scrolls were rediscovered. And a scribe read out from them in the king's presence. When Josiah was reminded by this reading what the Lord actually required of the nation, he rent his clothes in great distress. 2 Kings 22 verse 13. Great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book, to do according unto all that is written concerning us. So Josiah realised that his own government must seek God's mercy for having ruled without reference to God's word, for having framed mischief by a law, for having used the laws of the land to promote sin. We need to react like King Josiah to what is happening in our nation today. Because governments, parliament and our major institutions are frequently riding roughshod over the teachings of scripture to the detriment of the freedom of Bible-believing Christians. We are living in a generation which, having turned its back upon the one true faith of Christ, 
increasingly regards the state and its experts to be the saviour in all situations. The state, reflecting the God-rejecting spirit of the age, now regards itself as the arbiter of what is right and what is wrong. Even arrogantly assuming to itself the authority to contradict the plain teachings of God's word. We live in an age where police officers, whose minds have been fashioned by the diversity courses on which they have been sent, can arrest an open-air preacher for not conforming to the tenets of the all-pervasive cultural Marxism of the liberal establishment. We live in an age where the police can order a gospel minister out of a town centre for causing offence to passers-by because he dared publicly to uphold the teachings of the Bible. Frequently, behind the current assault upon Christian liberties, under the guise of furthering tolerance and inclusivity, is the LGBT movement. Militant gay rights activists are not simply content with getting on with their own lifestyles but they are determined to mould the whole of society into their own image and to crush all opposition. Their desire for tolerance and inclusivity appears not to extend to Bible-believing Christians. The triumphant an onward march of LGBT activism is tragically a real phenomenon throughout the Western world. We need to understand that Satan is the god of this world. And so what happens in other countries in terms of an anti-Christian agenda always tends to have a knock-on effect in this country as well. Because people are like sheep. If other nations are seen to be actively pursuing a certain liberal agenda, British political leaders will not wish to be left behind in finding opportunities for virtue signalling their progressive <coughs> credentials. So let us consider for a few moments exactly what is happening in other parts of the world. And let, and let us go to the continent of Europe and take one nation in particular. Now we oh. might be surprised that this 
nation is a source of horrid anti-Christian propaganda. But the nation I'd like us to think about is Finland. A Finnish MP and former government minister has recently been on trial for hate speech. The charges against her include issuing a tweet in 2019 showing verses from the Bible regarding homosexuality. This Christian MP, whose name is Paivi Rasanan, is accused of fostering intolerance, contempt and hatred towards homosexual people. She was summoned to a court appearance in January of this year. And to her great credit, she went to court holding a Bible. And she stated that the whole case ultimately came down to the need to save people from their sins that they may lay hold on eternal life. And that is why she tweeted those Bible verses. In other words, her references to homosexuality were made out of a desire to help people and to bring them into a knowledge of the Saviour. A Lutheran minister in Finland, Bishop Johanna Pojola, has also been charged for publishing an article which was written by Mrs. Rosanen over 17 years ago on LGBT issues. But for simply publishing what she wrote, he too has been charged. Now, a gentleman called Paul Coleman of ADF International, uh, which is the organisation overseeing the Finnish MP's legal defence, has stated concerning her trial in January of this year, I would characterise the day as a modern-day inquisition or heresy trial. And the heresy was that Mrs. Rosanen and Bishop Pojola were on trial for being against the new sexual orthodoxy. The outcome and verdict of the trial of Mrs. Rosanen uh, should be known uh, following a ruling which is expected sometime this month. Now, European civilization has historically been enormously influenced by the Christian faith. But here in this European nation, with a great Christian heritage, we see that an MP has been put on trial as a suspected criminal for doing nothing more than expressing an opinion based upon biblical teaching. This should surely sound alarm bells about where we are heading. Now let us move across the Atlantic Ocean to the nation of Canada.
On January the 8th of this year in Canada, a piece of legislation known as Bill C-4 came into effect, having been rushed through Parliament without any major debate or committee review. The bill openly states that heterosexuality and one's gender at birth should never be promoted as preferable starting points insofar as counsellors are concerned. Accordingly, Christian counselling, encouraging a person to leave a homosexual identity or to remain with the gender of their birth, if that person were considering otherwise, has now become a criminal offence in Canada. An offence which can be punished by up to five years in prison. For counselling someone, according to the scriptures, to come out of homosexuality. Five years in prison. More than 4,000 pastors in both Canada and the USA devoted their Lord's Day sermons on January the 16th of this year to protesting against this Canadian legislation. A leading mover behind the protest was Pastor John MacArthur of the Grace Community Church in Los Angeles. He stated that the widespread endorsement of sexual immorality, which was now taking place, actually speaks of divine judgment on a whole culture in rebellion against God. In other words, the Lord appears to be giving the Western world over to the blindness which it so much craves. One of the protesting Canadian pastors on January the 16th was James Coates of Edmonton in Alberta. He criticises Bill C-4 as having the potential to shut the LGBT community off from the saving and transforming message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is quoted in a Fox News report of January the 16th as making the following perceptive warning. As governments seek totalitarian authority over every aspect of society, it is inevitable that they will persecute any and all who refuse to declare allegiance to the state. As such, unless the tide of totalitarianism is stemmed, Christians can expect persecution to increase. Another Canadian pastor, Tim Stevens from Calgary, Reflecting on the attitude of the state to churches over the last two years, has said the new prevailing worldview is totalitarian. It is absolutely intolerant 
to opposing beliefs. All socialistic and communistic movements hate the authority and law of God that Christianity promotes. Now the pastor's point there is that the Western world is now moving into a mindset more appropriate to a communistic dictatorship in respect of the enforcement of state control over people's freedom of thought and ability to express their opinions. Now, we once assumed that such a state of affairs could never happen here. But it is, in fact, inexorably creeping up upon us. Another pastor from Calgary in Canada, Artur Pawlowski, has described the Canadian anti-conversion therapy legislation as coming straight from Soviet Russia. Now, this pastor escaped from communist Poland as a young man before the fall of the Berlin Wall and when there was still an Iron Curtain. He went to Canada in order to be free. And so he knows all about overreaching state control of people's lives. And he is utterly shocked at the way he sees Canada going and indeed the Western world generally. The Canadian legislation states that any form of counselling in respect of LGBT matters must not favour one form of sexual orientation over another. To make such a stipulation, however, is a plain assault upon the work of Christians and churches. It is also in direct contradiction to the biblical teaching in Romans chapter 1 that homosexuality is contrary to nature, contrary to the very way God created us, male and female. There is the danger that the new Canadian anti-conversion therapy law could even criminalise a parent discouraging his or her child from pursuing what he or she might think to be a homosexual inclination. An attorney working uh, for the Justice Centre for Constitutional Freedoms, a man called Marty Moore, has stated that the new law is the most direct attack we have seen on freedom of expression and freedom of conscience and religion. And yet this attack upon Christian freedoms is being carried out by a so-called Western liberal democracy. This attorney also has stated that religions which teach that sexual relations should only be between a married man and woman 
will potentially fall foul of the new law. In other words, Bible-believing Christians are the ones most particularly threatened by the legislation. Now let us move a long way from Canada to the land of Australia. We tend to think of Aussies as easygoing people, don't we? Very laid back. In the state of Victoria, the government has introduced a 10-year plan to promote further inclusivity and equality for LGBT people. The campaigning organisation, the Australian Christian Lobby, has stated that this government initiative is ultimately about accomplishing long-term cultural change and is nothing less than a move to destroy conservative and Christian values and to replace them with the philosophies of the LGBT lobby. Also, again, in the state of Victoria, uh, and this is a really hot current topic, a new piece of legislation has come into being. It's called the Change or Suppression, brackets, Conversion, Prohibition Act. Now, that act took effect in the state of Victoria on the 17th of February this year. This act criminalises any attempt to change or suppress a person's sexual orientation or gender identity. Accordingly, there is now the real danger that Christian parents endeavouring to discourage their child from changing gender will be accused of criminally suppressing their child's identity. In other words, parents can be criminalised for their belief based on both the Bible and scientific observation that gender is fixed and cannot be changed. This represents an outrageous interference by the state in the freedom of Christians to live out their lives even within the context of their own homes. Now let us come to our own country. Let us think about what has happened to the Christian medical doctor, David Makaroth. Back in 2018, Dr. Makaroth lost his job as a medical assessor at the Department for Work and Pensions. In a conversation with his line manager about a hypothetical situation, Dr. Makaroth stated that he would feel bound by his conscience to identify any client 
he might deal with by their biological sex at birth and not by their chosen gender. So he would not be prepared, for example, to use the female pronoun when addressing a six-foot-high man with a beard. Now, for holding this viewpoint, the Christian doctor's employment within a government department was terminated. It came to an end. In October 2019, Dr. Mackerel lost his case at an employment tribunal in Birmingham, at which he claimed that he was just being discriminated against because of his faith. He, He made that stand. You are against me because of my faith. His defence was especially based upon his belief in the authority of God's word, as laid down in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27, which declares, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. The tribunal found that the doctor's assertion that gender was fixed by Almighty God, along with his belief in Genesis 1 verse 27, were incompatible with human dignity. So the tribunal has stated that if you believe the truth of Genesis 1 verse 27, it is incompatible with human dignity. David Macareth has lodged an appeal and we pray that he will be exonerated. Incidentally, Genesis 1 verse 27 was the verse which Pastor John Sherwood was preaching on when he was arrested in Uxbridge Town Centre last April. I shall not comment on his particular case as his trial is imminent and I shall be a witness at it. But we are delighted that he is here with us today. Again, focusing on our own nation. The government's currently proposed anti-conversion therapy legislation is a matter of grave concern in respect of gospel freedoms. It is essential that Bible believers express their opposition to these proposals because they endanger the freedom of Christian pastors and counsellors who endeavour in good faith to help people who are experiencing same-sex attraction. Now, any kind of coercive and physically violent acts under the guise of therapy are already covered by existing criminal law and would never, of course, be employed by Christians in any case. 
So the proposed anti-conversion therapy legislation is quite simply unnecessary. But note how our own government is following the pattern set in other parts of the world. Because Satan is the god of this world. And once again, we are reminded that men are like sheep. Boy, they're doing it over there. We'd better do it here. The government's consultation on this legislation recently concluded. The consultation document produced by the government states that the nature of conversion therapy targets an innate aspect of personhood. I'll quote that again. The nature of conversion therapy targets an innate aspect of personhood. (coughs) What is the government saying here? They are in fact revealing their utter bias towards the gay rights activists. They are implying that an individual is born with a homosexual orientation which he can do nothing about because it reflects the person he is and always has been. Well, we know that the power of the gospel can change anyone, whatever orientation they have. And homosexuality is not an innate genetic condition. This is proven by observing identical twins who share the same genetic makeup. The Journal of Personality and Social Psychology from March in the year 2000 reported on a study of 980 twins in Australia. The study found that only 20% of males and 24% of females who had a homosexual twin were homosexual themselves. If homosexuality were genetically determined, there would have to be a 100% correlation. And so science is against the gay rights movement here. Now, the government's consultation document introduces the concept of Talking therapies, talking therapists, so using speech, using words to try and help someone. And it states that legitimate talking therapies that support a person who is questioning if they are LGBT do not start from the basis that being LGBT is a defect or deficiency. So the government is laying down the parameters. They are saying any kind of therapy is only legitimate if it endorses an LGBT lifestyle. And that, of course, is in itself a biased and loaded statement. It is effectively a rejection of Christian teaching. 
Now, whilst Christians do not use the words defect or deficiency, we do use the word sin in respect of LGBT lifestyles. And we shouldn't be ashamed of that word. So the government presumably means that if a Christian minister or counsellor starts from the biblical foundation that homosexuality is sinful or that to change one's gender is a rejection of what God has ordained, then he will be starting from the premise that there is something defective in LGBT values and that to do so is a criminal act, a criminal engaging in a talking form of conversion therapy. So the government is trying to criminalise Christians who want to help the people come out of a homosexual lifestyle. The government is arguing that the very basis which Bible-believing Christian ministers or counsellors start from in endeavouring to help people is in and of itself illegitimate. You cannot start from the premise of what the Bible says. That is the government's official position. You cannot start with the Bible. How dare they say that? How dare they? Now, the term conversion therapy is in itself very unwise and very unfortunate because the word conversion is a specifically Christian term. Why are they using it? Because they want to get at the Christians. Christian evangelists and pastors are in the business of endeavouring to convert people. I don't apologise for the word conversion. We endeavour that by God's grace, people are converted from the fashionable ways of this world. So the very use of the term conversion in the legislation speaks of an anti-Christian bias from the outset. Now, the term which used to be employed for unseemly and inappropriate shock tactics to force a person to change their behaviour was aversion therapy. That was the term the psychologists and the psychiatrists use, aversion therapy. But it's now been subtly changed to conversion therapy because that better targets what Christians do. Now, Bible-believing Christians are not and have never been involved in dubious practices which would have gone on under the term aversion therapy. And so we see this move to a different expression, different terminology, is an attempt to discredit as unethical in the popular mind the Christian teaching that those pursuing certain immoral lifestyles should repent and change. Now, the Bible states that homosexuality is sinful. 
And so it is a Christian minister's duty of love, and indeed of any Christian, to warn against the consequences of sin unrepented of. If a preacher warns of the judgment of God in respect of embracing a lifestyle which the Bible calls sinful, which he may well do in a motivation of love, then it seems that he will be guilty, according to this proposed legislation, of engaging in behaviour which is deemed to be intimidating or frightening. So, let us take the scenario of a Christian minister preaching in the open air to people he does not know, or having a one-to-one conversation in the open air with someone who comes up to him to challenge biblical teaching on sexual morality. Suppose that the minister explains that a person with a desire to pursue a sinful sexual orientation or with a desire to change his or her gender can, upon coming to Christ, experience the transformation of their desires because they will receive a new heart which will produce different desires. According to the legislation, they will be committing a criminal act. They will be able to be accused of engaging in a form of conversion therapy because they are encouraging a change of lifestyle. And of course, when you're talking to someone in the open air, perhaps who's asked you, well, what does the Bible teach on this subject? You haven't got their written consent. Well, do you mind if I give you advice about this issue? But the legislation says you you, you can't counsel someone without their written consent. So how is this legislation going to affect open-air preachers? What if a preacher states in public, in public testimony, that God has ordained that there are only two genders and that they are fixed and cannot be changed? Because God does not make mistakes when he made us. Would a transgender person walking by be able to claim that he feels intimidated and that the preacher is effectively engaging in an act of conversion therapy which is being carried out to the detriment and harm of transgender people? Let us think of a different scenario. Suppose a pastor is speaking to the young people's group in his church, comprising teenagers under 18. When asked a question by one of the group about same-sex marriage, the pastor says that marriage can only be between one man and one woman. He also explains, as part of his pastoral duty of teaching biblical truth, that to harbour sexual attraction towards someone of the same sex is sinful in God's sight. Now, supposing a 17-year-old boy in that group, encouraged by the general spirit of the age and the environment 
which he finds himself in amongst his non-church attending friends, supposing he begins to feel that he himself may well be homosexual. And so he takes offence at what the pastor has said. If the proposed legislation goes on to the statute book, will the teenage boy be then able to report the minister to the police? for engaging in criminal activity. Also, and the legislation speaks about this, will the church's charitable status also then be called into question? And will the minister also be banned from holding office as a charity trustee? It is scenarios such as these which the proposed legislation could create. Now, the Equality and Human Rights Commission has rightly stated that the government's proposals risk cutting across basic religious freedoms. I quote, encouraging people to comply with religious doctrine that requires refraining from certain types of sexual activity should not fall within the definition of conversion therapy. And so even the Equality and Human Rights Commission is worried about the conversion therapy legislation. This proposed legislation wrongly assumes that there is a major problem in this country of conversion therapy abuse, and then there is not. And the government's plans duplicate existing criminal law and appear to be a craven, knee-jerk response by the politicians to militant gay rights activism. Now, if the government is determined to go ahead with this legislation there must be specific exemptions for the public proclamation of biblical teaching, including exhortations to groups or individuals to turn from their sinful lifestyles. And there must be protection, either in church ministry context or in public preaching in the open air. And so the following points need to be made about the shortcomings of this proposed new legislation. The government fails to consider the fact that the Christian revelation in its very essence is about encouraging people to change from what they currently are. That's the business we're in. We want people to change into something which is far better. And of course, we apply that principle to all men because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All people need to change. All people need to be converted. The Lord Jesus Christ said, Except ye be converted, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. There are no specific proposals in the legislation for protection from prosecution of Christian preachers working in the open air. 
and who declare that the gospel can change a person's sinful orientations. You see, the open-air preacher will say to a drunken man walking by, look, the Lord Jesus through the new birth can take away those sinful orientations. Are we going to criminalise that? Because it's no different from saying the same to someone with a homosexual orientation. And we have to, of necessity, declare that pursuing a sinful lifestyle leads to the judgment of God. Will we be accused of intimidating people? Now, the general statement by the government, and they have made this proviso in their proposals, is that the new law will not outlaw outlaw private prayer or everyday religious practice. It will not outlaw private prayer or everyday religious practice. But that is incredibly vague. What about corporate prayer in church meetings? What if pro-gay activists argue that any public preaching or one-to-one counselling that homosexuality must be repented of is not everyday religious practice, but an activity which only extremist and fundamentalist Christians engage in? Would the preacher or pastor praying with another person be criminally guilty of attempting a form of conversion therapy? You see, these are the problems which this new legislation uh, bring up. There are no specific proposals for the protection of Christian preachers and others who feel it their duty to protest and make a witness to Christian teaching and biblical truth at pride parades. Now, in a pride parade, the LGBT agenda is being publicly promoted. And all the big commercial institutions are there giving their support, such as the banks, for example. Uh, And we find uh, that the armed forces are there giving their endorsement. We find that the police are there uh, giving their approval to it all. Uh, And anyone who wants to prove how virtuous they are is there supporting a pride parade, including leading politicians. And so we have a duty to confront that public demonstration of an anti-Christian worldview. But will we have the freedom to do that? The proposed legislation would adversely affect the freedom of Christian ministers and counsellors to use the Bible as their basis to encourage people to leave a sinful lifestyle. Now, speaking of Christian witnesses at pride parades, uh, this is a matter which a number of us here in this room uh, have been closely associated with. Pride parades are now a regular part of the scene in city and town centres throughout the country. There would have been many such high-profile events during the last two years if it had not been for COVID-19. Now, I myself have recently sought advice from the Christian Legal Centre, based here in London. 
And they have informed me that the conversion therapy legislation would indeed have a negative effect on our Bible-based testimony at Pride Parades. The government shockingly includes spiritual counselling in its definition of conversion therapy. Our government, remember the Queen promised to uphold the teachings of the scriptures at the coronation. The ministers are the Queen's servants. But this legislation actually criminalises spiritual counselling. So at pride parades, for example, those witnessing endeavour to give spiritual counsel from the scriptures about the necessity of obeying the never-changing moral law of God. And so this legislation represents a direct attack upon our Christian liberties. Now, we began by referring to Psalm 94, verse 20. Shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee, which frameth mischief by a law? Verse 21, the next verse reads, They gather themselves together against the soul of the righteous and condemn the innocent blood. Throughout history, Satan has always been instigating a deep-seated hostility to God's true people. And he has frequently used rulers and governments to fulfil his aims. The Lord Jesus Christ said this to the church at Smyrna in Revelation 2 and verse 10. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. So there our Lord himself tells us that the devil is behind the criminalising of Christians by persecuting authorities. The Lord encourages afflicted believers by telling them that their persecution will only last for ten days, which in the prophetic language of Revelation means a fixed limited period of time. And so the suffering will not be permanent because the Lord Jesus Christ is coming as a judge to vindicate his people. Verse 22 of that psalm. But the Lord is my defence and my God is the rock of my refuge. David knows that whatever the world might throw at him, nothing can happen to him outside of the providence of God. And the Lord Jesus Christ has declared, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So the prosperity and seeming triumph of this Christ-rejecting world will be short-lived. Because the judge is coming. But how do we, looking at the immediate situation, respond 
to the increasing assault upon our Christian freedoms? The answer is simply this. By keep on proclaiming the gospel in the public realm without allowing the state and the fashions of the moment to intimidate us. The establishment needs to realise that a public Christian testimony is part and parcel of British life and culture. So we have to get out there in town and city centres and other crowded places and preach the gospel of salvation. The more we do it, the harder it will be for them to stop us. And our police forces need some basic education in the history of this nation. Open-air preaching in the 18th century saved this nation from the violent revolution. It was the best thing that ever happened to us. And then that led to all the social reforms of the 19th century and the great missionary movement to the four corners of the earth. It began with open-air preaching. The freedom given to open-air Christian preachers is the litmus test for the maintenance of civil liberties generally. So even the atheist who wants freedom should be concerned about these restrictions upon what Christians do. By proclaiming Christ in the public realm, instead of retreating because of the pressure, By preaching Christ in the highways and byways, we are helping to hold back the wrath of God from a wicked nation. We must do it. We must confront those who seek to silence us. We must continue to shout from the housetops the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and him crucified. Because be sure of this, the gospel is this nation's only hope. Amen. Amen.